You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. This morning, I was thinking about our sermon and stuff. How many of you, um, well, I'll just tell you how I was. When I was a kid, um, I would argue with people about my dad. Um, when I was older, I argued how stupid he was. But, um, <laughs> hey, we all go through that stage, right, where your dad starts losing his mind. Then by the time you're 21, he's regained it again somehow. <laughs> But I was, when I was a younger uh, boy, I, um, I would argue with my friends as to whose dad was stronger. Anybody like did that? Like, my dad's bigger than your dad. My dad could take your dad out. My dad's stronger than you. All that kind of stuff. Well, I really thought that because my dad was, um, was all of five foot eight, but he had a, uh, a 52-inch chest, and he could bench press about 350 pounds, and that's legit. Um, and so I really did, like, I argued with people. Like, my dad is bigger than your dad. Um, because in my mind, there was nobody bigger. He had this 52-inch chest and a 32-inch waist. It was crazy. He's a big man. Then he, later on in life, he got a, uh, like a 52-inch belly. But um, <laughs> it happens, right? It's called furniture disease. It's where your chest meets your drawers, you know? Um, but it happens. Uh, I'm trying. I'm working on that myself right now, trying to take some medicines for that. But um, how many of you, like, you did the same thing? Like, you would argue, like, your mom makes better spaghetti than everybody else's mom or anything like that. We, I did that as a kid, and it was this whole idea of, like, you know, being proud of uh, your parents or that they, they were better and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's not just limited to kids who do that. Um, I found that uh, when we become kids again, once we get up into grandparent age, we do it too. So how many of you would say, how many, first off, how many grandparents do I have in the room? Okay, and how many of you would confess that you have pictures of your grandkids and you are happy to whip those out and show those to people? See? Right? It's the same thing. It's just kind of like it's a, it's a more mature, older version of that. But um, my, my in-laws, for example, my in-laws do not carry a picture of their grandkids, but they are happy to sit down and talk to you about what they see in their grandkids. They're happy to talk to you about their adventures and their growth and their accomplishments and what they're doing now and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're very much that way. And I think at times, I think we're that way as parents, too. I know I'm that way. I'm happy to to talk about my kids. I'm, I'm proud of who they are and who they're becoming. I'm proud of my nieces and nephews. I've got some uh, amazing nieces and nephews. Uh, very proud of them and their accomplishments, uh, their adventures, their personal growth, all of that. You know, I think um, it's okay. Uh, everyone, it's kind of typical to brag a little bit about your kids or your grandkids, that kind of thing. But when we start bragging on ourselves is when it gets a little awkward, right? It's where, it's where it can get just a little odd. It's the, well, you know, I still hold the school record for the most stolen bases in a single baseball game. It's the, well, you don't realize what I've done at work in this career, and I hold these many awards and patents and whatever else, right? Or uh, I'm, I've been nominated this year for the Handy Dandy Award, you know, whatever it is, right? It's, it gets a little awkward when we start um, bragging on ourselves. This morning, I want to talk to you about, um, we're going to talk about making God big. And it's, how do we make God big? It's in, it's in what we say. It's what we do. It's who do we brag on? Is it, do we brag on ourselves? Do we brag on the Lord? There's a guy named Jean-Jacques Rousseau. 
um, he wrote this book in 1789, and it's called Confessions. And uh, he dedicated it, and so let me quote his dedication. He dedicated it to me, with the admiration I owe myself. His book opens, the book opening line says this, I have entered upon a performance which is without equal example, whose accomplishment will have no imitator. I mean to present my fellow mortals with a man in all the integrity of nature, and this man shall be myself. I'm like, that's a really repugnant sort of a way to start a book. (laughs) Sue, don't ever start your books that way. We put this in your notes this morning. Boasting and bragging of one's accomplishments is not only repulsive, but it feeds a pride in our lives. However, there is actually a boasting that the Bible recommends. The Bible recommends. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, But let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it's not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one who the Lord commends. In the 4th century, uh, the great Christian thinker Augustine actually wrote the original book called Confessions. And uh, Rousseau actually stole his title uh, almost 1,200, 1,300 years later. But in Augustine's version of Confessions, his entire book, he gives glory to God and everything that God does. His opening line in the book is taken from the book of Psalms, and it says, Great thou art, and greatly to be praised. It, the focus is not on himself, but the focus is on the Lord. And um, as much as we might admire Augustine's humility, um, it's Rousseau's language that is a little bit more familiar to me. Because at times it seems like um, this idea that he said to me with admiration that I owe myself, it's, it's kind of, it would look right at home today on our, most of our social media platforms. Right? This whole idea that I have an admiration for myself. We have to be really careful with that. Um, because what we find ourselves in is boasting in ourselves instead of really doing what's more healthy and that is boasting in the Lord. In your notes, we put, I put this, rather than declaring our greatness, we need to declare God's greatness. Instead of promoting ourselves, our focus should be to promote God. This morning, I want to talk to you about the results of boasting in ourselves versus the benefits of boasting in God. So the first thing this morning is this, is that when we boast in ourselves, pride grows. But when we boast in the Lord, humility grows. James 4, 6 says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace or favor to the humble. When we boast in ourselves, we literally have, are doing, the, we are literally moving away from God when we boast in ourselves. And there's a great example of this in scripture, and we put that uh, a reference to it in your notes. It's 2 Chronicles 26. So King Uzziah was a good king for a while within Israel. And it says that when that originally he was humble. And it talks about some of the things that he did in the kingdom in Second Chronicles. King Uzziah actually invent, made inventions as king. He invented weapons that could shoot uh, a lot of arrows and that could hurl stones off the walls of Jerusalem. He created those. He invented those. It's in scripture. But he became, when he became famous, the Bible says in chapter 26 that his pride became his downfall. That um, he became unfaithful in the Lord 
because of his boasting and his pride. And he found later on the story that's referenced here is actually where King Uzziah goes into the temple and uh, against the, the uh, Israelites' priest's instructions, he decides he's going he's gonna to create his own uh, burn incense to the Lord. That's only the things that only the priests were supposed to do. And when he did, God struck him with leprosy. This isn't a story about leprosy. This is a story, um, it's a revelation that when we oppose God, um, that God will oppose us, I'm sorry, that God will oppose us in our pride. We can't just do what we want to do. We can't just say what we want to say. We can't just it all be about us. So the reality is that we want to boast. We want to boast in the Lord. And in that way, we put ourselves in proper position and we increase our humility. The second thing is this, is that when we boast in ourselves, we promote ourselves. But when we boast in the Lord, he promotes us. That's huge. I, I've, been, I've heard it said many, many times that um, when the Lord promotes you, no man can demote you. When the Lord promotes you, no man can remove you. And I believe that. I can see at times when I shouldn't have been in places or been able to do the things that I was doing, but I was there because God had opened the door and God had promoted me into that role, into that position. Joshua knew what it was like to be promoted to the Lord, you know, um, promoted by the Lord. So in, uh, in the book of Joshua, actually we see it earlier in the book of, um, oh gosh, is it Exodus maybe I think is where it's at. But um, where the children are coming out of the Egypt and they're looking at the promised land. And so Joshua is one of the two, Joshua and Caleb, right? They say we should take the land. God is able. God is with us. Yes, we look like grasshoppers in these giants' eyes, but he is, they're nothing in, in comparison to God. And yet the whole nation says, no, let's not do it. And so they circle the desert for 40 years. But God promoted Joshua. It's interesting that Joshua is the one that the Lord picked to replace Moses. And Joshua, I believe Joshua's promotion came not at the time when Moses died. I think it was already set into motion when he chose the Lord and when he promoted the Lord. When he was saying the Lord is able, the Lord is capable, let's go do this. I think it was at that moment that the Lord really began to, to promote Joshua and say, no, he's, he's the one. In fact, I think he did it all of his life. And if you look at Joshua chapter 23, verse 10, this uh, verse says, One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you. Joshua was at this place where he was telling the people of Israel, and this is much, they're, they're already into the land of Israel. They're already taking it over. Um, and he's telling them, we are outnumbered a thousand to one and we're still kicking their tails because not because you're so good but because the Lord fights for you he was in this place where he wasn't promoting their military prowess their unique uh, skills or anything like that he kept saying no it's the Lord it's the Lord it's the Lord who's doing this and we have to find ourselves in a place where we don't promote ourselves are boasting ourselves, but that we are boasting in the Lord and promoting Him. And in that process, somehow He decides that He's going to promote us. The third thing is this, is that when we boast in ourselves, we draw the applause of others. But when we boast in the Lord, we draw the applause of heaven. 
To me, there is something hollow in this cycle. And I think it's a cycle. When we start to boast in ourselves, I think it becomes cyclical. And it's hollow because what happens is we boast in ourselves to receive the applause and the accolades of others. But it's hollow. And so because of that, we find that we have to do it again. And we find ourselves boasting in ourselves again so that we can still feel that importance that we're looking for. And you just get into this cycle. Because, and because it's hollow, um, we just we keep doing that. Versus when I think that when we boast in the Lord, um, there's, there's something filling when we sense the pleasure of the Lord. When we boast in the Lord, there is a pr- pleasure that the Lord feels. It's no different than when I hear my kids boasting of me. When my kids say, my dad's really smart. First off, I thank the Lord that they made it through that stage where they thought I was stupid. But when the boasting, there's something in me that, that just, it, it's filling, it's warming, it, it warms my heart. And I feel like it's the same way, is that when we boast in the Lord, right, He does, there's just something that, that connects us with Him in a way that nothing else does. And so we've got to stop this hollow thing. It's like, it's like eating empty calories. you just got to keep doing it. Why? Because you're not getting anything from it, so you just keep doing it. But the reality is, is if we will boast in Him, and He will fill us in meaningful ways that will stay for us for a long time. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 says this, The Lord your God is with you. He's mighty to save. He will take delight in you. He will, he will quiet you with His love, and He will rejoice over you with singing. There is just this sense that um, when we boast in the Lord, that there's a pleasure, there's, a, there's an immense pleasure uh, that the Lord has over us in those moments. And it's that thing that creates a, a, a further, a, a warmer, a, a more genuine, a tighter connection with the Lord. Because we're boasting in Him. We're boasting in the right things. The last uh, of these four points that I have for you this morning. So when we boast in ourselves, we get bigger in our own eyes. But when we boast in the Lord, he gets bigger in our lives. And that's different. I have a friend that for every week, for almost a year, he has been telling me and a couple of others that Romans 10:17 says faith comes by hearing. And I'm telling you that the hearing is Yes, the word of God, but yes, it's also this faith that we stir in one another. When I tell you about what God has done for me, when I tell you about how faithful he is, when I tell you that who God is and how he showed up in the midst of my circumstances, when I describe those types of things, right, there is this, this faith that wells up within me because I've heard and I believe what God is doing and he's able to do. It, uh, it seems to put us back into a proper perspective and into a proper place that doesn't he's always in his proper place i think but sometimes i think what happens is we we raise ourselves up in our own eyes and we have to lower ourselves down to put our, have him back in the right place but as our faith grows he gets bigger in our eyes and and bigger in our lives now i recognize that um sometimes when we talk about 
sharing and talking about what God has done. Um, I've had a couple of times people say this. I, I don't like to talk about that so much because I get so emotional when I talk about what God's done for me. And I just don't like to do that like with others or with public or whatever. Can I tell you that we need to hear that? The next generation needs to hear that. My kids love to listen to my mom tell stories of God's faithfulness. Not because she's a great storyteller, because she's really not. But it's because they know that she's telling them real life stories. These aren't fairy tales. They're not stories she read in a book. It's not stuff she heard on Fox or CNN or anything like that. She's telling them stories that she experienced or that we as a family experienced. And I know at times we get all emotional and we don't like to do that, but I'm telling you, our kids and our grandkids and a younger generation of the church needs to hear these types of things. They need to hear the faithfulness of God, not just what he did back then. While he, they need to know that, but they also need to know that we see God at work today. Right? That's how we develop the next generation as they see that God's at work, but oftentimes they don't see it because we don't like show it. We don't let help them to see where he's at work. Let me remind you of what David said in Second Samuel. He said this I will celebrate before the Lord and I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. See the David was worshiping, but I'm telling you, boasting in the Lord and declaring who he is, that's a form of worship as well. The idea that I would declare who he is and I would get all emotional about it, it's okay. Look, you guys have already seen me cry a bunch. You may see me do it again before the day is over. I don't know, but I don't care. I used to worry about those things. I don't care anymore. You know why? Because I know that there is a there is an authenticity in me that when I share what the Lord is doing and what I see him doing, it allows other people to catch a glimpse of what he's doing. And it stirs stuff in them. And so that's why I've just kind of like said, okay, so I'm going to be the big crybaby. I'm good for that. Let me kind of come to a final section and there's a couple of things I want to do and then we're going to do something different. How do we go about this idea of making God bigger? How do we make him bigger in, in our eyes? Well, one of the things we put in here is one of the first things you can do is before your feet hit the floor is you can begin to boast in the Lord. Psalms 9 says this, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I'll tell of all your wonderful deeds. I'll be glad and rejoice in you. I'll sing praises to your name. Now I'm going to tell you, on most mornings... The first thought that hits my mind is, I hate that alarm clock. It was that thought this morning. The second thought, though, and usually I don't get right out of bed. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a morning person. I'm not a popper out of bed kind of person. I'll just tell you, if honestly, if you ever have a meeting with me, I probably, if, it's, if I've got to like give you really good answers, I probably didn't set it before 10 a.m. Because I just don't give good answers before 10. But this morning and other mornings, Lord, you are, you are good. Lord, you're faithful to me. You were faithful yesterday. Lord, you're faithful every day. 
Lord, would you just continue to be faithful today in my life? And God, would you allow me to, God, to be used by you in any way that would blow my mind and make you big in the lives of others? That's a really common thought and prayer I have before I ever get out of bed. I'm declaring the faithfulness of the Lord before I ever get out of bed. It doesn't take a lot of times. You don't even have to turn the light on. That's the Lord right there. Just this idea that the first thing is that I begin to think about and declare who he is. The second thing is, is look for God at work to identify opportunities to boast in the Lord. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about looking for God at your job. No, that would be, while that would be a a thing too, what I'm really saying here is look for where you see him working. Where do you see him working? So I have, um, I have about seven or eight young uh, pastors and some peer mentors of my own that over the last couple of years have, have started asking me what I mentor them and I've been doing some of this. Um, there's one in particular that um, is intri- most intriguing to me is I have a friend. Um, he, um, he goes to a Presbyterian church, uh, but he got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit about 18 months ago. And he has no one within his church to help mentor him. And what does it mean to live spirit-filled? So he's come to me and he said, hey, would you mind mentoring on what it means to live a spirit-filled life and to minister in a spirit-filled life? I'm like, dude, that is awesome question. I love that. So for he and I, one of the ongoing questions in our time together is I'm constantly asking him, where do you see God at work? Or I ask him, how do you see God working in your life? Because I'm trying to allow him to to take a moment to see God and recognize that God is working. God does not just work on Sunday mornings between 10 and 11 a.m. God is fully at work on Mondays between 8 and 9. God is work on Thursdays between 2 and 3. He's at work all the time. Are we seeing him? Right? What is he doing? And the second thing in asking him those questions is, is in him telling me, I'm giving him the opportunity to boast in the Lord, essentially. Say, this is where I see God at work, and this is what he's doing. And it's awesome, right? Because what he's trying to figure out is, how does he live a spirit-filled life? And how does that impact his regular days? And so we, we talk about that. One of the other things I do when we're together is this idea is that, I share stories with him. I tell him what God, I see God doing in my life, in the life of the church, in the life of people that I'm working with. I tell him stories of what God is doing. And I get the opportunity to boast in the Lord a bit. But he gets the opportunity to see that as well. And it's like, oh. And then he thinks, wait a minute. Something like that happened to me just last Tuesday. And then he realizes the Lord's at work in his life in another area that he'd never saw before. And so I'm sharing stories of that and sharing stories of how I hear God's voice. Because just as important as seeing what God does is, is in us hearing what God does. If we can 
right, boast in the Lord that I heard the voice of the Lord and I, the wisdom that he gave me guided me in this. That's just as big a boast as God healing someone. God is at work in our lives and how do we boast in him? And so that brings me to the last point and that is this. Intentionally tell God's stories. We will make God big when we intentionally tell God's stories. Now when I was a kid growing up in church, we called these testimonies how many of you have ever been in a testimony service does anybody under the age of 30 been in a testimony service nice that's awesome you know because here's that crying moment I gave my heart to Christ as a young boy after a testimony service. I was in a church. It was Sunday night. I watched my grandfather stand up and give recounted examples, numerous, of God's faithfulness over his lifetime. He was about 75 at the time. And he talked all about how God was faithful to him. And he, gave, and he gave real life examples of things that God had done. And then he shared and he said, And I cannot wait to spend the rest of my eternity in heaven with him. And as a young boy, I was so impacted in that moment. And I've been to lots of Bibles, I've been to lots of Sunday school classes. And I'd heard lots of sermons. And I mean lots. Because <laughs> when I was a boy... Church doors were open three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and we were always there. So for all of you who have only been on Sunday mornings at this stage of your life, I've been in church three times more than you, Dad. It's just the way it was. But I'd never been impacted as much as when I heard my grandfather talk about the faithfulness of God in his life. Because God's been faithful. God is faithful to all of us. You know, just this week I was with a group of leaders and um, we were sitting around a table and I don't even know how it came up, but um, one of them brought up this decision that they had made years ago about uh, giving to the Lord and about tithing and all that kind of stuff. And so we're sitting around, I'm sitting around with about five leaders and we're talking about, and everybody had a story of God's faithfulness and provision to them because of the decision that they had made to be obedient in that. And I find that when we just tell stories, and I, I'll tell you, I was stirred up in listening to other people tell their stories of how God had been faithful to them. I'll give you one last example. Pretty much every week, my... Uh, Someone comes up to me and says, cause, says, I met your mother this week. So my mom goes to another campus, if you, you don't know that. Um, and they come up to me and say, I met your mom this week. And she told me the stories of your miraculous, like why you should be dead and how you, God worked and all of that. And I, it's a long story. But anyway, 
and how he worked in that and healed you over the course of two years doing the, and the miracles that took place. And then she told me about your brother-in-law. She told me about your sister. And she told me about... And, she, and, she said, and then when it was all said, she prayed for me. Happens almost about once a week. Every other week for sure. Within the body of Grace Covenant. There is a stirring up of our faith that happens when we share the faithfulness of God. And it happens in the lives of people that we know and people that we see. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.